people of Earth. Geek Hope. Willa. Hey Willa, this is Marla Jo. Hi Marla Jo. And we are Gig Hose. Gig Hose, baby. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so picture this. It's three o'clock in the morning in a deserted temple in Howard Beach. I've just led the band for a screaming seven-hour gig, which has been incredibly successful. Everyone was dancing. It went great. The only problem is it was a screamer, which means I wasn't the band leader they expected to see, and on top of it, they expected to see a guy band leader. And I broke the cardinal rule, which Cy Kogan told me, always collect the money before the soup. (laughs) But I had no time because I was running the band, and it was a rough gig. So everyone left, packed up and left, and now I am sitting in this deserted temple with like one light on, maybe the janitor's there somewhere in the back, with these six giant, and I mean giant, Argentinian Jews, right? And the father, right, who in my memory is shorter, and and I wonder why that is. Maybe the mother was tall. I don't know. Anyway, the father, they're all glaring at me, and I'm, what, five, six maybe, right? And, you know, 125 pounds, so they're all glaring at me. And then the father goes like this. He goes, so what will you give me? Oh, to boy. compensate for my son's pain and anguish. <laughs> and I look around at these men and I think, you know, literally, they could kill me right now and who would know? <laughs> this is just to say, it's not all fun and games. But you did make it out alive. I did make it out alive. Because you're here to tell I, the story. That's right. And I'm wondering, I'm wondering if you have a similar dangerous situation. Oh, well, uh, there's all kinds of danger, too, you know. I mean... Um, the one that popped into my head was, um, you know, you wear like these nice fitted clothes on stage and we're doing a sound check and, uh-huh. <laughs> and um, there's florists and there's flowers on the edge of the stage. I'm testing my mic and I, I stepped into the flowers <laughs> <laughs> and I fell off the stage and it was one of these like braless dresses with the netting in the uh-huh. front. And I fell off. How long, it, how far a drop was it? it? You know, I didn't get hurt, but it was like, you know, my boobs came flying out. And did anybody see? Well, that was a thing. You know, I wasn't sure if anyone saw. And then when I, I saw the percussion player later, his name is Rahim. A lot of people knew Rahim. I remember Rahim, yeah. Right. He's sure. a cool guy. I said, Rahim, did you see anything? And he goes, it's okay, Marla. We're all family here. <laughs> <laughs> so I think he did see. But oh, no. um, I got sent home to um, to change my clothes, of course, and uh-huh. I guess somebody gave me a jacket. I don't, wow. I don't remember who. <laughs> wow! But there's like a lot of stories like that of things that you never hear about happening, right? I mean, yeah, no, I know. Do you have another one too? I do, but before we go into more stories, I just wanted to ask you, what do you think the definition of a gig is? Like, if you do a gig and you don't get paid, is it still a gig? Yeah, it's still a gig. It's a gig you got stiffed on. <laughs> it's a lousy, shitty gig. It's a lousy, <laughs> shitty gig you got stiffed on. Uh, you know, I had that seminal when I got stiffed on, so I guess I'm going to diverge and tell that story. It was another screamer, 
you know, and for our audience that doesn't know again. Yes, we have to tell. That's right. like a... Well, the way that you describe a screamer. That's an age-old, like, term. I don't, I don't think they do it anymore, but it was called a screamer because... I guess you can figure it out. When you get there and it's not supposed to be you, they start screaming. Amen, sister. <laughs> I know, I know. And I guess we should say we're mostly concentrating on the whole world of gigs in the 80s and 90s. Right, when we both started, when we were young and fresh. <laughs> <laughs> and and uncorrupted. Well, I won't go that far. But uh, there were no DJs then, so it was only bands. No DJs, and boy, did we work our... our our tushes off. Oh, we yes, would, like, we did. work six gigs in a row. But that's how we ended up with Screamers, because the, the office that gave us the gigs, they wouldn't have enough band leaders to cover with it. They'd sell the one guy that was famous to everybody and then send the rest of us. Ted Phillips. I was Ted Phillips, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah, I was Larry Bassett. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we were women, and in those days, that was an oddity, so it made the Screamer factor even worse. So... This one really trained me. And again, Cy always said, get the money before the soup. It was a big, it was a big ritzy party in Manhattan, you know, like the Pierre or one of those places. There were 60 kids. It was a bar mitzvah. And the mother, I'm not kidding, the mother kept saying to me, I don't want the kids to play any games, right? So like, not only am I leading a scream, and the father hated me from the minute I walked in, you know, this super waspy and, and every time I stopped for even 30 seconds, the father was up at the bandstand. I thought this was supposed to be continuous. You oh, know, that's God. Good. And the kids keep coming up to me, you know. Can we play uh, Coke and Pepsi? And I'm saying, talk to the mother over mother there. And father said no. Right. And they're, you know, they're just running around. like. And when I had a minute, I kept saying to him, can we settle the bill? And he said, later. you know. Mm-hmm. And then he stiffed me. So Why do you think they didn't want the kids to play games? They didn't want the to mother, Because I think the mother had that... That. She had an illusion of what the party. Well, yeah, that's Elegant. a common. That's a common thing. They everyone has an illusion of what they think their party's going to be. And she then, had elegant in her brain. Although how that jibes with 60, 13 year olds, I have no clue. <laughs> they were always like melting candles in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> they were doing more than that in the bathroom. Well, that was the only proof they and they came out with it. And you say, "Oh, look what I made!" You know, they bring it up to the band. <laughs> yeah, I know. So. So that, and then, of course, Cy Kogan, the, the head of the office, who's, we'll talk about him later, but he went nuts on me. And he actually docked some of my pay because then he had to go to court with the guy to get the money and all that. But but I learned something from that gig. And it really, <laughs> I want to say, a part of me died inside that night. But then after that, I was like, I was waiting for the next person to tell me they weren't going to pay me because then I understood what I needed to do. I need to say... Pack I'm, up and leave. Exactly right. Exactly right. <laughs> yeah, get paid before the, the the downbeat is a preferable thing. I Really? Did you do that? Well, you know, like, even in the way um, when I was writing my own contracts, it would be worded in there at the commencement. So, like, there'd be no, Great no question. I mean, they hand yeah. it to somebody else if you don't want to be doing the business, right. the best man or something, and, you know, it has to be given to them, you know. Okay, so so not getting paid doesn't make it not a gig. We've we've established that. But I'm like, are there other parameters that make it a gig? Well, I actually have a, a story that's related to not getting paid that maybe I could just add before we we go on. Oh, please. Uh, <laughs> I remember doing a gig where we had to do overtime, and that's related to like getting stiffed or you right. know. Yeah. Um, 
you know, because like so maybe they have paid and like, well, now I have to collect this more money and you have to like, first of all, negotiate what that amount is going to be because they didn't always include that. Now, did you wait till 10 minutes before? Well, yeah, because otherwise you have to like be playing your best songs at five times. Exactly. <laughs> you know, if you yeah. want to go over time. But, um, but we ended up going over time. And then when I collected the bill from the guy, I, I forgot to include the overtime because I think he gave me the whole amount. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know why that happened. But so when the office realized that he didn't pay me the overtime, I said, well, it was my fault, but technically he should still pay. So we ended up taking the guy to court. Right. And if you go to court and they can't tell who's right or wrong, I mean, we got half of it, but it's like yeah. I actually represented Stank, Stank Flame. <laughs> <laughs> We're protecting the names to not... To Not to protect, to protect the guilty. Yeah, right. Okay, oh, that's a good one. <laughs> All right, I'm just thinking. So, yeah. right. So, what comprises a gig? Well, number one is we show up and play music. Right. That that definitely is part of what it, what makes a gig, and it's an event of some kind. Some kind. It's a wedding. Yeah, it really it's a vary. birthday party. It's. A bris. You tell me you recently played a bris. I played a bris twice. <laughs> didn't touch the hors d'oeuvres. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you cut up. Oh, I'm trying over here. <laughs> and uh, and a lot of times the gig is with a bunch of guys. You either other players that you either have met or not met, right? Yeah. The the first cardinal rule was don't shake hands on the bandstand right and don't say i haven't seen you in years <laughs> haven't seen you or ask them what their name is you know oh yeah 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 <laughs> i mean i don't think people realize often when a wedding band and i'm using my air quotes here you know shows up it could be people who either have never played together before or maybe only played together a couple of times but we all know the same repertoire right well, you're supposed to. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, the basic stuff. I mean, you yeah. know, there are some songs we've been playing for like 10,000 deca times at decades. Least. You know, I will survive. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, but the, the repertoire always changed. And mm. I mean, I'll never forget when I showed up on a, a gig. I was a leader and they hired a keyboard player because we're both keyboard players right. uh -oh. and band leaders. But mm. the guy didn't know anything. I called right. the first tune. I say, Penny's from Heaven, and he's grabbing a fake book. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, Get up and go stand over there. <laughs> and literally, I had to like then sit down right. and not just stand and sing, which oh, yeah. I did a lot in the beginning, but yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah. There's a thing I'm going to explain to the audience too. There's a thing where you use your hands to tell somebody what chord you want them to play by holding fingers up, depending on how many sharps and flats are in the key signature. So that's another thing. And I remember. I was doing that. I had a bass player who, who, he knew a lot of stuff, but he didn't do certain stuff. So I'm playing with my right hand and I'm shooting him the chord signals with my left hand. And one of the horn players was turning around and watching me do this with their mouth hanging open because I was singing too, you know, and you really have to. Right. You're, you're running the whole thing. Yeah. And you're thinking about what the next song's going to be on top of it. And the tempo. Mm. <laughs> I mean, so many parts. But, right. Um... <laughs> so what else comprises a gig? Well, you need to have the equipment. And Marla, I want you to explain how you explain your job to people, because I think people don't really understand that this is really the part we get paid for. Hit it. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I explain what I do for a living is I transport musical and electronic equipment across the <laughs> tri-state area, because as they... <laughs> 
<laughs> as they say, we play for free, but you pay us to schlep. <laughs> so true. And we called it schlepping for dollars. Schlepping for schlepping dollars. For dollars. That's a good one. You yeah. never heard that? No, no. <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite. Schlepping for dollars. And then how many times we had to set up as keyboard players for the same gig. I don't know if you ever played the Colonial Mansion in Brooklyn. Oh, a lovely establishment. I mean, different floors, oh, you know, yeah. and like they didn't have small amps and small keyboards then. I mean, my first keyboard with a band was a Fender Rhodes. Was it a suitcase? Or a suitcase. And me then, too. And then the bass was a Fender bass, which like was rocking on top of the Fender Rose. Oh, oh you mean they had a separate bass keyboard? Separate bass keyboard. That was like right before they had splits. And, right. and I want to explain to the audience what a Fender Rhodes suitcase is. So the one piece was the keyboard itself with the keys. And then the other part was this big box. Well, I didn't know. I didn't bring the, bu- the speaker on oh, the bottom. No, right. no. That's but it was suitcase because I had that. But it was heavy enough. I, I mean, know, I could but not... mine was like 300 pounds because the, the bottom... Brought, oh, my God. Yeah, the bottom had two speakers. For weddings? It. Maybe not. Maybe only for the rock gigs. <laughs> 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 it's a long time ago. Yeah. I have a lot less brain cells than I did then. Yeah, because I couldn't even lift the roads myself. Oh, I, I had to get the guys to help me every time. We would be shoving it up the stairs. Ah, uh, uh, yes, a lot of schlepping. We'll go into schlepping later. Okay, and, and here I have, I see that we should also, for our listeners, describe what kinds of gigs we do. Because listeners think two things. They think wedding singer, like Adam Sandler, the wedding singer, or they think the rock band, right? But but we've done all of that, right? All of that and many more, many <laughs> more versions. I mean, because right. it's like what anyone else can dream up, we try to become that for them and someone like you or I has the ability to do that you know right because right, um, right. like every gig is different if you just have like you're a one trick pony and that's all you do like the jazz guy yeah the jazz on day <laughs> Like the way you said that. Well, you know, because remember when he needed a ride, he says, I'll give you $2 for gas if you give me a ride back to Manhattan. <laughs> and they always live in Manhattan. And they always live in Manhattan. They don't have cars. No offense. I mean, some of the greatest players. Right. But they, we love you guys. We but do. they came on the gig and they didn't know any songs. But boy, when they took a solo, they soloed and it was loud. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other thing. I don't, you know, that. God, we'll go into that in a minute. But so, yeah. Okay, weddings, that's a whole subsection because they don't only happen in catering halls, right? They happen everywhere. Weddings, corporate parties. Surprise weddings sometimes. Really? I did two surprise. Well, one was a surprise to us (laughs) (laughs) because we were in a club and they decided to sell us to somebody's wedding and they're coming up and asking us for stuff. At the While last, you were playing at the club? Yeah, we didn't know. It was like our last night in the club, and it's oh, like there's like so many people here, and it's like somebody's wedding. Holy cow! And they didn't pay us more, you know? Wow, of course not, boy. And then one time we just showed up at somebody's house to do a party, and they surprised all their guests and said, "It's our wedding." Oh my god! You know, but yeah, but it was the same for us. But right. you know, um. But birthday parties, I've done a lot of birthday parties, surprise and not surprise. Right. I played one divorce. One divorce. Have you fi- played a divorce? Not a, uh, I played a fire or last day at work. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Was went, it at work? I think it was at a car dealership. <laughs> <laughs> he was, yeah, I would start at five o'clock. That's when his shift ended. You know, I don't, I think it was a Buick dealer. I did, don't did, remember. Did the people he was 
did they know he was leaving? Yeah, I think, oh. but he was trying to make it like positive, like not that it was sad, oh, you know. Right, right. I mean, and he went home and shot himself. Um, I hope not. <laughs> I mean, I once somebody once hired um, a sax player that I got them because uh, he had to go into their hotel room. It was in Manhattan and play New York, New York in a hotel room by himself. It was just for else? two people. Wow. And then just leave, and that was the whole gig. Well, that's almost like kinky. I know, like, you want to join in <laughs> you know, while you're playing? Can Start I? spreading your yeah. Ooh, news. Ooh. Very good. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. So you're not just a wedding singer, and you're not just someone who plays in a, you know, with a rock band in a club, and you're not just somebody that does jazz in some other kind of club. If you're a freelance musician, you do... All these things. Or if you if you have the ability to, I mean, right. there's a lot of different variations, you know. Right, but that's why we are gigos. <laughs> that's what a gig, meaning we'll do just about anything oh, to play. You want a jazz trio? No problem. Yeah, we can I do, do that. that. Background music. Yeah. Oh, you want like a Billy Joel? I can do that. Need a Greek band? <laughs> sure, sure. Irish. She's yeah. a, she's an I Irish totally, specialist. Now I am. Yeah. <laughs> you want someone that can play Latvian carpenter songs? We are your girls. <laughs> right. I mean. I've definitely stayed up till 3 o'clock in the morning, at least getting six songs together from some weird-ass specialty gig, haven't you? Oh, I try not to take too many of those. Um, Anymore? Well, yeah, Let's well, think back to when... But you're also much more studious when it comes to, like, being prepared for those kind of things. Moi? Like, <laughs> yeah, because I always just kind of cultivate a well, you know, this is what I know I can do, but, right. I'll, but I'm always learning more pop songs. Right. I'm very pop, but... Um, I you mean, know, I was playing in the... Hospital lobby. See, and I play in hospital lobbies too. That's like a whole other stuff. I was playing in a hospital lobby the other day, and I always say to my transient audience, Ask me to play something. I know a lot of things. This guy asked for light my fire. (laughs) So I did it. Why not? (laughs) Why not? Okay. So have we accurately described a gig, do you think? Well, yeah, and there's, there'll be a lot more um, revelations about kind of gigs oh, as, yeah. as we go along, but yeah. but but yeah. Yeah, okay. So now I'd like us to talk about the day of the gig, because people say, oh, you know, you only work for four hours and you made whatever, let's say a hundred bucks an hour. That's good, a hundred bucks an hour. But oh, man, someone said that to me the other day. Really? Says, well, oh, you play piano so nice, but you start at six, so you have your whole day to yourself. <laughs> right? They don't understand. It's a whole day thing. I mean, even if you're playing for an hour. So it begins. Let's say, should we pick a, a, a daytime, a morning gig, or a night gig? Because they both have a different dynamic. Well, um, mm, mostly gigs are at night, so let's just talk okay. about that. All right. So let's say the gig starts at 6 o'clock in New Jersey, and we live in Queens, right? So... At 3 o'clock in the morning, to get from Queens to Jersey would be, I don't know, 45 minutes maybe, if it's Bergen County. But if it's a Friday and the gig starts at 6, that same drive could take an hour and a half, two hours even, right? I think most people can relate to that, (laughs) driven in the tri-state area, sure. And then, of course, before you even get in the car, what do you got to do? First, you got to clean up, right? You got to look pretty and smell pretty, you know, you got to take a shower put on your makeup i mean the guys well actually i do know some guys that definitely put on makeup you know who i'm thinking about no i don't i'm not going to mention the name but a certain guitar player Hmm. more than one so you gotta and then for me well they have to shave so that's true that's true they have to shave all right i take it back that's true (laughs) 
We have to shave in other places, but... <laughs> Not so important for the gig. Well, <laughs> unless you fall under, off the stage. Only the end of the arms if you're wearing a gown. Yeah. Uh, okay. And for me, I got to eat. I got to eat like as close to leaving as possible. Yes. Because. Because she's an athlete. She burns up a lot of calories. <laughs> I know. I have to eat. Uh, that's a whole other thing. Well, it's a whole other thing because a lot of times they don't feed us and. It's unbelievable. I mean, the further away you get from New York City, the best chance you have of getting something so true. decent. You know? And also, I want to say that the, the, the richer the people are throwing the party, the more likely you are to starve on the party. Yeah, yeah, it no? depends. It depends. Okay. I, I've, I've had the experience both ways, you yeah. know. I mean, if it's a buffet or if it's somebody's house, you know, you hang out in the kitchen with the kitchen help. And yeah. The, oh, here comes the tray of hors d'oeuvres coming back. We have you know? all chased the hors d'oeuvre tray <laughs> on the cocktail hour. Well, that's another thing. All right, so be that as it may. So you get in the car, and maybe you hit crazy traffic, and it's always this wild-ass game of trying to, like, it's like timing the market, you know? It's the same thing, you're trying to figure out how much time do I have to leave if I hit traffic, if there's a ball game, if people are leaving to go upstate or to the beach. Um, but you, know, you, you don't want to get there too early because then you're just hanging out, twiddling your thumbs. Uh, I, I, I've been of the thought in the last few years or decades that I get there, and it's crazy because I say, yeah, I'll be there the day before because I'm so tired of sitting in traffic <laughs> that I leave, especially like a Christmas gig. I leave oh, at yeah. like noon to play in Manhattan at six o'clock. And, you know, because we have our devices, we can keep ourselves entertained while right. we're waiting, you know. But not back then. Back then we could not do that. That's no. right. And, and, and there was no GPS. And there was no way to call anybody to let them know if we got a flat tire. This is like true. That. I mean, we were on our own. You know, there was a guy, a, a, a trumpet player for Cy Kogan named Al Glassman, who carried a flat tire in his trunk. <laughs> in case he was late. He had an excuse. Because he was going to be late always, because he was a horn player. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, so he'd go, no, no, I had a flat tire, and he'd like, show him the flat tire in his trunk. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> um, yeah, so now you get to the gig. And I'm thinking, now we have to set up our equipment. Well, before you have to set it up, you have to figure out how to get into the building. That's there's like one, major. Yes, but there's one rule of thumb you can always count on, and you know what it is, don't you? How uh, to find where to get in? No? Really? No. Find the dumpster. Oh, yeah. I guess. Find the garbage, and that's how you have to get into the building. <laughs> right? Oh, show business is so glamorous. <laughs> I know, and this is what people don't. They totally don't get it, but... 99 out of 100, if you find the dumpster, that's the way in. I have a whole story about that, too, but we're going to press forward. Unless, should I tell the story? No. Well, you can tell one story, and I have one, too, about okay. getting in, All where right. I got injured. <laughs> oh. Yeah. This was Tavern on the Green back when. Notorious. Yeah. And, to get in. <laughs> right. I mean, just, they had this parking lot that they hadn't repaved since 1935. So it's like a minefield, right? So you got to go to that lower parking lot and drag... Wait, we should describe... Was it cobblestone? No, it was just broken up... Tar? Wet, yeah, blacktop, that's it. But wait, we have to describe what we're, we're schlepping. I mean, for me, so we're both schlepping a keyboard and some kind of PA or amp system, right? And our music stand and our keyboard stand and our seat. And then if we're leading the band, then we also have the PA for the band, right? And we have all of this on a hand truck that we're schlepping along, you know. And sometimes there are steps to get in, you know, and sometimes there's a distance between 
where you park and where the, the steps are. So you got to put everything on the hand truck, roll to the, the where the dumpster is, you know, <laughs> and, and maybe you have to take it all off the cart again and schlep it up the stairs and put it back on the cart. Not the case in Tavern on the Green. That had another pitfall, which is it had a ramp, and there was one of those rubber skids on top of the ramp, and it was with the grease of the millennia on the skids, <laughs> right? And I swear to God, I was wearing my sneakers, and I could feel myself sliding back down. <laughs> And I'm thinking, you know, I should have gotten behind it and pushed, you know, <laughs> instead of trying to drag it up. And then when I get to the get to the entrance, they got these strips, you know, those opaque strips, thick strips of plastic, and they got two doors that open behind it. So like, yeah, you, you open the doors and then like you crash through the plastic, and now you're in this the kitchen, the kitchen, which is 120 degrees, and there is an inch of water on the floor, and it's covered by that. That matting, that rubber matting with like holes in it. I'm, I'm looking at little wilted pieces of lettuce floating by as I'm <laughs> dragging my stuff down the aisle, and all these kitchen help they're screaming at each other, you know. And it's I'm sweating my brains out. I'm trying to get my stuff down the down the little track there, and I finally burst out into the hallway of Tavern on the Green, hoity toity Tavern on the Green, and there's this maitre d standing there. You know, it looks impeccable, and he's looking at me, and he goes, Why aren't you dressed correctly? You know, I'm thinking, Jesus, brother. <laughs> oh, my God. <sighs> I know. that That's like a whole other subject of, like, having to look a certain way while you're lugging equipment and sweating. But and that's what I'm thinking. If you want me to look so good, ridiculous. let me in the front door. Well, I did a gig at Diker Heights Country Club. It's, like, in Brooklyn. Oh, and wow. sometimes, sometimes you go in and... You go in through the service entrance, but a lot of times, and this happens in Manhattan, there's, you know, everything is very narrow in Manhattan. Yes. But in this particular place, they had all, like, their tables and chairs kind of stored next to the door. Oh, yes. When we went in, oh, and yes. as I'm wheeling myself in through the gate, all the stuff comes down and falls on me. And, Grace. <laughs> and I actually hurt myself. I remember I have to fill out an accident report. Oh my God. But that was the way in. And then like they all like pissed off because right. I was saying, wait a minute, I'm hurt here. And yeah. like nobody had no sympathy from the nature <laughs> day at all. I know. I'm all black and blue. And I was at know. a temple in Jersey and I had three. There's another thing our, our fearless listeners may not know. You know, it's not just one setup, right? We have multiple setups on one gigs. Like I got to set up one whole little system for the cocktail hour and another one for the main reception and then there's a, a third one sometimes for the ceremony and you, sometimes you have to bring a mic for the officiant too that too all that stuff so anyway I'm moving between the three zones trying to get everything set up and I walk into the reception room and the band is setting up and the floor is wet and uh -huh. I went boom you know my feet slipped out from under me I flew up in the air and I landed flat on my back you're lucky you didn't break anything I did not and I'm lying there so my brother, by the way, people, my brother and I play together. He plays guitar. His name is Larry. My brother looks up. He says, you're right. You know, like that. And I'm like, I don't know. Wow. What does the maitre d' do? He puts out hazard signs all around the dance floor. After you fall. After I fall. To make sure that I can't sink so that he's, you know. Yeah. Anyway. 
Yeah, it's very glamorous, folks. It really is, and it's nothing but fun, right? It's always walking past the garbage. I mean, when I right. I worked at the Grand Hyatt, and it was at the end of the gig, and mm-hmm. I had to go out the same way back where all the loading docks were. Oh, yeah. And there was actually a garbage truck collecting the garbage at the same time, and I couldn't get right. past him. Boop, boop, well, boop. but the guy was so nice, he, like, grabbed my stuff and squeezed it past him, but there were hot holes there. I oh, mean, yeah. It was, yeah, that oh, was like the worst yeah. thing. Well, at the all. same time. All right, so so you get in, you get in, and then then you got to find the snooty maitre d and figure out where your room is, where you're going to set up, right? Where the electricity is, and uh, and for us, Marla, Joe, and I, we got to do two hours before the actual real party starts. We got to play the cocktail hour. We got to play the ceremony, and then I'm running to set up for the reception and. The people who don't really have any setup walk in, the horn players and the singers, right? They walk in, fresh as a daisy. Five to... Five ten. minutes to... Or five minutes after, <laughs> if you have a flat tire in your trunk. <laughs> the flat tire yeah. in your trunk. And they want to chat. They want to chat. I'm, <laughs> I'm, like, trying to plug in all my shit. Hey, how you doing? I haven't, <laughs> haven't seen you in a while. <laughs> yeah. And then the gig. And then the gig. And then the gig. And where then you may not eat sometimes, and the gig could be a six-hour gig. Yeah, that's always amazing. Or they gave you club date sandwiches that were awful. <laughs> describe your describe your quintessential club date sandwich cuz I know what mine is. Like the one they'll give you. I don't I don't know. So it was just I mean, I remember getting that, but I also like became vegetarian, so oh, I, no. so I remember like if you asked for vegetarian, they got like a big plate of steamed broccoli, like one <laughs> stalk. <laughs> Because that's all they did for vegetarians in those days. I know. You know? There was I no was lentil veget- meatloaf. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> Stale turkey sandwich with soggy potato chips. That's, yeah, that's soggy potato chips. Soggy potato chips. The, the waiters are going by with plates with lobster and shrimp and filet mignon. <laughs> I'm getting hungry just thinking about it. <laughs> Stale turkey sandwich. <laughs> and then, my friends, and then the gig ends. And then what happens? The guests go home. You got to pack up all that stuff. You got to get it back in the car. And you got to drive home. Well, think about the time that I worked at Ellis Island. It's when they just started becoming a catering hall, believe it or not. Um, right. And they actually had jail cells in the basement of this place because they had people, like, I guess, imprisoned, depending if they were supposed to be there. And when oh my I, god! And when I at the end of the gig, I had to walk past all the all like the prison cells, and I was by <laughs> myself. There must have been some rats there too. Oh god! And then you get out to the street, and then you're on the island, and nobody's there. Right? I, you know, you get, how did you, you get off the island? Because there's like a very skinny road, and you have to go to Jersey first to get to Ellis Island. There's one road in and one road out. It's really weird. That sounds like the perfect stuff of a horror movie yeah it was very horrible i mean (laughs) (laughs) it was pretty horrible you know like because the keyboard player has the most stuff and and you're the female and everybody left already and i'm like holy shit i hope i get out of here well there you go see there's your dangerous story for the beginning yeah 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 yeah. Yeah. luckily i was okay you know Right. There's all kinds of stories we have. We have many stories, and we're going to be telling those stories in our in our future broadcast. Plus, we definitely want to bring in some some funky friends of ours who will have their own their own stories. Oh, brother! Uh-huh. But I do want to say this at the end of our maiden voyage: Why do we do it, Marla Jo? Because that's who we are, gig hoes. We're gig hoes. <laughs> I know that's true. 
But I, I guess what I mean is, it was a leading question, because what I mean yes. is, there is, for me, and I'm sure for you. Satisfaction. Yes. And oh, there's, there's an incredible joy. I mean, whether it's solo gigs, when we know, like, someone asks us for a song, and we play that song, and it means something special to them, and we can tell that we've added to their life or made them happy or remembered. I mean, that happens all the time to me. Um, yeah. And when you're playing with a band and you hit the pocket, you hit the pocket and you're all, you're all on the loose wig together and you know, it's just beautiful. And maybe out there there's a hundred people dancing their brains out and having a great time and, you know. Unfortunately, like the, those special moments don't always happen all the time, but they're worth waiting for too. You they know? are. No, they don't. And that's what makes us professionals. And that's also what makes us giggles. <laughs> Okay, I guess we're done for today. <laughs> we hope to see you all again soon. That's We've got right. lots more to tell. Oh, brother. No one will be spared. <laughs> <laughs> the Geek Host Podcast is produced and recorded by Marla Joe and Willa Basson, also known as The Geek Host. Thanks to Jeremy Goldberg for opening voiceover.